being safe. Safe. Safety always comes first. Being safe. Safe. Always avoiding the worst. Always avoiding the worst. Hey! We got a safety special for table nine. I'm on it! No, stop. <laughs> Howdy, everybody. It's the Pre-Accident Podcast, and I'm your host, Todd Conklin. How are you today? Welcome in. Welcome to the pod. I'm glad to be in your ears again for another day, at least uh, part of it. Well, not a half hour, maybe, if we push it. So today's podcast, you're going to like. <laughs> you're really going to like. It's uh, it's fun. It's a really good time. The summer is zooming by, but I think that's more good news than bad news. I can only tell you that I'm having a marvelous time and have seen a lot of friends and reconnected. And uh, Gosh, the, the meeting in Denver, the little workshop in Denver, was really great. I enjoyed it immensely. Um, what a fun, fun, fun workshop. And there's more to come. There's one in October. So I know we sold out really fast, and I'm sorry about that. But uh, we'll open up a meeting. It's like the 2nd, 3rd, and 4th of October. And I can't really find a place to do it yet, but uh, I've been asked to do it in the South. So I'm looking at interesting South places to do the meeting. So that'll be fun. So that's coming up as well. Um, as for me, man, I just all sorts of excitement. I mean, everything's exciting. As we speak today, I am probably on a, a vacation with my parents and family, and uh, and they're going to bring their friends and we're going to take a little boat trip to Cuba. So I should have pretty good reports from that. Remind If I don't tell them to you, uh, remind me to tell them to you, and I'll get them told. Other than that, man, it's just a, it's a screaming fun day, and the podcast is doing great, and life is grand, and the world's getting better. I, I mostly am encouraged today, but how could you not be? The weather's amazing, and um, I'm enjoying some leisure. Leisure is good, is really good. So let's talk about the podcast for today because you're going to like this. So I want to introduce Dr. Sarah Tabor. And what you need to know about Sarah is that she is a safety professional, but she's in a safety profession area that may be new to some of us, or maybe most of us on the podcast. Dr. Tabor is a food safety specialist. And could this be more timely? In fact, her specialty areas are lettuce and herbs. And if you're following the news at all, you know this has been a big deal. Um, and she talks about, uh, I don't know how else to describe it other than just a, it's a systems view of understanding food safety. But it is completely worth listening to. I, I can't even tell you how pleased I was with this podcast, it went to places that I didn't think it'd go to. I mean, I, I don't think it, I didn't think it would not go there, but I, I mean, it, it went to places that I hadn't really connected um, together in the safety world, food world, culture world. It's all really there. Um, she's been doing crop safety work, lettuce and herb work, since 2006, and she focused for a long, long time on regulatory compliance, which 
which is a foundational issue. I mean, that's what we do. But she's gotten to the point now where she's really taken more of a, a new view approach to understanding this very, very complex and and quite socially important and politically interesting world that she lives in. And she works as an auditor. I mean, the the similarities to to industrial safety or to new safety or to food safety are are quite remarkable. She's she's got she's got that that ability to look at an environment and draw some very interesting data very early to understand operational discipline, understand the, sort of the culture of food safety, understand power and leadership. Um, it's it's really it, you're gonna like this. It's it's a good one to listen to. So maybe what I should do is just introduce you to Dr. Sarah Tabor, and you could hang out and listen to her. And then maybe at the end of the podcast, we'll come back and talk more about this. How's that sound? So without any further messing around, because uh, clearly I'm kind of messing around, um, this is Sarah Tabor on the Pre-Accident Podcast. So I do food safety auditing and consulting. It's something you'll find in the food safety world is a lot of people have about 14 different side hustles. There's a lot of contracting. Um, so again, I do a lot of auditing, do a lot of consulting. The consulting is primarily focused on, um, there's this emerging area where people are growing lettuce and herbs and things indoors under artificial lighting. Um, so I do quite a bit of that. Uh, because I do food safety, again, I just do lettuce and, and herbs. Uh, I don't get a lot of calls from the cannabis industry because nobody's doing, making them do food safety certification. Oh, yet. Sarah, that was so brilliant. So, you brought that in before I could bring that up. That's perfect. You're, you're ahead of me. You know, it's, it's part of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm, yeah, I have a lot of colleagues in the industry, and I just don't get those phone calls. So, I'm, you know, the crop is fine. I just don't have a lot of contact with it. So when you talk about food safety, so I'm I'm probably really naive on the food safety side of the house. So that's why I was so excited to talk to you. But are we talking about things like listeria and and, and yes. cantaloupes and because you you hear yes. a ton about that, and I, I always wonder, wow, I've never thought about that as a as a safety function, but that's exactly what that is. Um, what got you yeah. into this? Uh, you know, I actually just. I studied crop science. I actually just liked plants. So I thought I was going to work with plants. And then it turns out if you want to take care of plants, you have to take care of the people who take care of plants. So it's a whole nother thing in real life. Um, and I just got into food safety because that's where the jobs were. So I came in from a crop science background, which actually helps a lot with food safety because you can address a lot more of the management side than if you just did microbiology. Um, yeah, and just kind of got into it from there. Um, I was raised by a nuclear engineer and a nurse, and so my approach to things is a little bit more methodical than maybe a lot of agriculture. So I wound up kind of more on the post-harvest handling side, which is it works a little bit more like manufacturing. So that's kind of where I wound up specializing. Does it and, tend to uh, be? Does it yeah. tend to be really blamey? I mean, do they blame? Do they blame people <laughs> for failures? Talk to me about that. Boy, you know, I think it's really interesting to to compare and contrast food safety and workplace safety. Uh, because workplace safety has been around for such a long time, kind of the, the general outlines are are fairly well known, I'd like to think. Um, and it's really focused more on the psychology aspect of it now, whereas food safety is kind of just starting to get there. Um, so it, just, it depends a lot on the operation. You know, we have some operations that are very advanced. Um, I've had the privilege of auditing a lot of places where they have a good routine down. I actually learn a lot from them. So that's always actually kind of a fun experience. Um, and then you have your places where they're just, um, you know, 
I'm still trying to find a way to describe it. Um, Cause again, the uh, sustainable food world and everybody's kind of really uh, laudatory towards family farmers. And we do see a lot of family farms where things are going well. And we see so many where things are going very, very badly. Um, and it's, it's almost entirely family farms. I've had like one corporate quote unquote client where things were going badly. And it was one time out of, out of dozens or hundreds. Um, whereas family farms, it's, it's a lot higher percentage of them that are not functioning well. So what um, so sort of walk me through what you, what you would do. I mean, what's, what's a, what's a day look like for you in food safety? Uh, you know, there's no two the same, right? So, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, sometimes, sometimes you're traveling, you're at an audit, uh, you do consulting. Um, I try and keep my consulting really focused on making sure clients can become independent and get fully trained. Cause I'm not there all the time. You want them to know things. Um, a lot of paperwork, uh, a lot of days where you're just kind of doing documentation. Um, I also have a couple other, I'm, I'm kind of actually moving out of consulting at this time uh, because of a thing that we can get into later, but my client base is mostly tech industry guys who think they want to do agriculture and it's terrible. Uh, wow. <laughs> so I'm kind of pulling out of that area. Um, I've kind of done what I can do in, in some regards and it's, it's time to move on. So I'm opening some other areas. Um, but yeah, so I spend a lot of time trying to build my other business, you know, working a lot on podcasting, that kind of thing. Um, so I don't know, it may not be too different from what you're doing. There's a lot of training, a lot of travel, just a lot of speaking and stuff like that. Do you, when you go out and look at a operation, do you look at, at, I mean, you must look at the, the physical operation, the system, but do you, mm -hmm. do you find that the, the socio-technical interface where the system and the worker where the system and the farmer meet, is that a, is that an area of great uh, interest? I mean, it should be, and it's not. So it's something that I find myself really interested in, and it's kind of challenging to find other folks to interface with in the food safety area. That's a lot more emphasis in worker safety. Um, right. And the funny part is, like, you never go out to an operation that's dirty and their worker safety is good, right? Uh, <laughs> they kind of go together. It's is management concerned about having integrity in their operation, so they all go together. Um, I mean, that there's, there's so much psychology there. I, I work a lot with, again, tech clients and then also with family farm clients. So in some ways, very, very different backgrounds, very different mindsets. And yet in some ways, they're all making the same exact mistakes, which is really interesting. And what are those so, mistakes like? The, like? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> so we'll, we'll talk about the first, the things that are different. Obviously, uh, family farms, uh, when it comes to communication skills, that can be a real struggle. Um, when you're in, you know, not every family farm is in an isolated area, but a lot of them can be, um, you have a situation where everybody's kind of grown up together. They all know each other pretty well. It goes four or five generations back. And again, in the food movement, that's really lauded as a beautiful thing. And it, it can be, but it can also lend itself really well to bad communication because everybody already knows everything that's happening. So, you know, <laughs> um, trying to interface with the outside world beyond that community can be really challenging just because those skills haven't been something you need to survive in that community. Um, and then when you look at tech guys, it's different. All they can do is talk. They can't do anything. So in that sense, very different issues. Uh, something that is very similar, a lot of misogyny, a lot of racism that hits them in the bottom line because like on family farms and in tech, women are seen as reliable backup. And so you have a situation where, you know, on a family farm, um, the, the wife is doing the bookkeeping you know, she's helping on the office with the bookkeeping. She's helping out with payroll. She helps out with invoices. She helps out with scheduling. And there comes a point when you realize she's running the business. 
okay, the guy drives a tractor. You're doing chores for your wife, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so she's the person who knows what's happening with the business, but because of the social structure and how people feel gender relations are supposed to work, she doesn't actually make any decisions. So she's got all the information. She's got a lot of the critical thinking capacity that's happening on the farm, but she's not empowered to make any decisions. Um, and you'll see that same thing in tech. Women are seen as reliable backup. And so you'll see frequently for food safety, it's kind of viewed as a do-nothing job. It's just a bunch of BS paperwork that somebody does in an office. And it always goes to a woman. Uh, I've seen operations where the only woman of color on the entire staff is the food safety person. Um, wow. They're like desperate enough to hire someone for that. Um, and again, you have a lot of labor relations issues. You know, I think we've heard a lot about this on in the general farm community. Uh, your farm worker population is primarily Latino immigrants. Um, and I think folks are used to thinking of it that way. Um, but it's been like that for so long that all your knowledge workers almost in agriculture are also Latino. So if you want to find somebody who knows how to manage a harvest, somebody who knows how to find the right equipment, someone who knows how to maintain the equipment, uh, a high percent of those people are Latino. And if you're in the tech industry and you don't know how to hire outside of your own demographic, you're going to have a real hard time succeeding if you're growing crops. So wow, in that sense, yeah. That's super interesting because because the string from there to food safety is really obvious. I mean, the connection is, is yeah. really strong. And and they must they must yeah. deal with, gosh, that idea of knowledge worker, because they must deal with a, a transient sort of harvest population you know, guys that move up and down, picking different crops for different people. And so yeah. it's probably these long-term relationships years after years after years of people working. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the, the tech industry, it's hilarious because a lot of them are based in the Bay area and it's right next to the richest concentration of really smart, really skilled farm workers and farm knowledge workers in the continental United States. Um, but they have no idea that they're there. So the folks in Silicon Valley cannot hire these people because they don't even know they're there. They don't realize that there is a knowledge base that they need and that it's right next door. They have no idea. Um, so that's really fascinating to watch. Um, you look at how they that's go ahead. Quite re Well, that's actually, I find that really interesting. That's quite remarkable, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's about on par for the tech industry, right? But it's it's just fun to watch it come into your own industry. Um yeah, there's there's certain ways where if you want to harvest, say, for example, if you're growing lettuce, uh, your main labor input is going to be harvest. Uh, that's a big cost. So you want to optimize your system to at least allow for a, for a, a quick harvest. Um, but you'll see a lot of operations. The, the tech guys are really kind of obsessed with the grow up part, and they don't realize that human manipulation is part of that. So they don't design like enough aisle space for people to walk down and do things, including harvest. Um, I just think, you know, if you'd brought on like one agricultural knowledge worker from the next couple of counties over, you would never have this problem. You would have built your thing entirely differently, but that's not considered an outreach that they should do. Is, is this kind of food safety, especially around like, like lettuces, like leaf lettuce and herbs, is it becoming yeah. more, is it because of like Chipotle? I mean, you can't have this conversation yeah. on this podcast and probably not talk about Chipotle. They, is it becoming more and yeah. more prevalent? Is it is is it getting more attention? Uh, food safety or kind of taking preventive steps to keep problems from happening. So so both really. I, of course, I'm more interested in the second than the first. But yeah, both is really right. a good answer. <laughs> right. So it's an emerging field, right? So um, the way that food safety works, I think folks are really fixated on the government regulations. 
But if you're actually in the industry, the government regulations are very basic. And in order to actually sell to a retailer, you need to meet a much higher standard. So the retailers have supply chain standards you have to meet. And that's what you should really be worried about. Right. Um, and those, again, like you kind of mentioned, there's the physical practices versus the social and emotional aspect of it. So your, your more basic audits are very fixed just on your physical practices, you know, wash hands, that kind of thing. And they'll level up a little bit into management responsibilities. Like if you want people to wash your hands, you need to have sinks with hot running water and paper towels and soap. You know, that's your next level. Um, and then your more advanced audits, which they'll typically require, like the more you process food, the more handling and contact there is, they're going to require a more advanced audit. Those are the ones that get into um, kind of like the emotional and like social aspects of the operation. Like, do we have someone at the VP or C-suite or somewhere at the ownership level um, where somebody is responsible for food safety? You'd be surprised how often that doesn't happen. It's delegated to an underling with, you know, no authority. Um, so your more advanced audits will make sure that things like that don't happen. Does that make sense? Yeah, completely. I mean, what scares me about this is that is that you can your entire crop could be disqualified if the if the, mm -hmm. if the the client food safety not the not the compliance food safety but the the quality and and safety things for the buyer is not met that's actually seems relatively high consequence yeah um so it's yeah it's very much handled by the supply chain and what people are willing to buy um and in the produce industry in particular uh it's it's a really relationship driven business everybody kind of knows each other um so you know you have your corrective actions period um, I think that's, that's also a thing in worker safety. Yes. Wow. I do quite a yeah. bit of work with, with box plants and box, right. box plants, you know, they, they even have a, mm. you know, they usually locate box plants where the crops are because the crops won't wait. And they actually yeah. produce the box in the field next to where the people are doing the harvesting. And it's interesting yep. because the box plant business has really become very fixated, um, nicely. So, on industrial safety, uh, amputations, ergonomics, mm. that kind of stuff, but it's not—it's not, it's not yeah. really bumping on out to the field, and those those yeah. guys are four feet away from each other. So what's uh, yeah? What's interesting. The, what's the future hold? I mean, what what's what's it look like? What are you doing to to make the world a better place? Right. Well, I think at this point, um, kind of like I mentioned, the a lot of your more advanced. Uh, food processing facilities like the folks who make Cheetos and the folks who cut meat have already been under regulation for food safety for quite some time. And now it's pushing out into a little bit more obscure crops like uh, sweet potatoes, pretty low risk, but a couple counties over from where I live, they're having a sweet potato boom right now. So they're starting to export. So your, um, the requirements get a little bit higher when you're exporting as opposed to when you're selling at the county store. So now they're having to experience auditing for the first time. Um, so it, it's kind of like every community uh, in agriculture kind of goes through this process of leveling up. You know, they start out with, with pretty local trade, which is good and all. Um, but seeing as how North America has way more land than people in most places are not like that, export is going to be part of life. Um, so these communities started out selling very locally with very low requirements and very low friction in your transactions. And now they're starting to level up into export stuff where there's a lot more questions about pesticide use. There's a lot more questions about microbiological quality. So it's kind of interesting to watch these communities go through those steps. And as an auditor, you know, you're always working with, you know, California is pretty advanced, but different crops may not quite be there yet, but they get to learn from their neighbors 
Whereas in maybe this part of North Carolina, no one's ever been audited before. So no one has neighbors to learn from. So it's a different learning curve. Um, so just a lot of leveling up and kind of giving everybody on the same page, I think is where we're at for now. Um, you may see this to some extent in worker safety, but in food safety, it kind of seems like it's very rare to have an outbreak um, where there were no indications beforehand that there were problems, right? So there's there's weak signals that'll tell you that you're about to have a listeria outbreak or or cantaloupes will have some kind right. of... Ah. Right. What do those look yeah. like? Well, you know, there's listeria testing, right? So it, it likes to live in drains. Um, there's also just things like general operational competence. I don't know if you get this, but often, you know, after you've been to a few hundred farms and facilities, you can kind of walk onto one and you kind of taste the air and you feel the morale and you have a, a fairly good idea of where things are going to head for that day. I don't know if you get that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it's a gut thing. You, it's not data, right? You can't base a report off of that. You need to actually go find out what's happening on the ground. But so many of those things that affect uh, affect worker and food safety, um, they're relational, right? It's are people, workers believed when they say they, that there's a problem? Are they being given the tools by management they need to accomplish what they need to accomplish? And if not, it's going to affect morale. And so you can almost tell just by that how things are going to go. Um, so I think, you know, uh, in agriculture, we don't talk about feelings a lot. Um, I, manufacturing may be kind of the same way, but there's becoming more of a recognition that mental health is a thing and maybe we should talk about our experiences a little bit. So I kind of feel like the growth in mental health awareness in agriculture and the growth in we have to communicate and we have to run a, a tight operation and uh, believe people when they say stuff are kind of going to go hand in hand. So that's that's cool. That's really interesting because you're talking about really creating a culture of reliability. So you're talking about trust, yeah. communication, early mm -hmm. detection, probably yeah. some kind of near miss reporting, but not near miss like a, the tractor almost hit me, but near miss reporting. Right. Like we're, we're drifting on our food safety requirements in this field for this reason. Um, wow. Yeah, exactly. Do you, do you find yeah. that so you that's... most, do you find that you mostly recommend system fixes or do you mostly recommend people fixes? Hmm. I, maybe a little orthogonal to your question, but what I find telling people when I'm training my clients on corrective actions, and this is both for the farm side and the like traditional ag side and then for the tech, I always tell them, you know, there's the five whys. Uh, an addendum I like to make to that is keep asking why until there's something management is supposed to do. Because <laughs> right. if you don't make it to there, you, you're not going to get any kind of permanent fix. Um, so that's, yeah. And, and what I find in tech kind of adjacent to that is, they're really fixated on tools and data, right? Right. Um, there's not always recognition that when you get the data, then you have to know what to do with it. There's not recognition of that yet in the, at this point. Um, so I've had occasions where clients were getting uh, pretty clear signals that they had a problem and ignoring them, uh, even though I had already trained them on how to interpret this data, um, simply because their venture capital model requires a very rapid growth. And to fix this problem would mean they needed to scrap this whole thing they'd been doing and not go forward with it. And that was simply not allowed under their funding model. So that, I think, is going to be something to look at as the tech industry gets into food is they do not have the, um, like that business model does not allow for risk assessment and just handling risk. So that's going to be fun. It, we worked okay in software, but with food, it's a whole different thing. Wow. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm stunned because just hearing you talk, it's the organic world meets the physical world. So, you know, you, all the... <laughs> 
all the 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 bio stuff meets physics meets psychology yeah and it all really comes yeah, together it comes together in food <laughs> safety i mean it's that's the place where everything meets it's it's the place where everything comes together yeah and kind of what i'm i'm always trying to to help people to, to understand is that food safety really kind of comes down to less is more, you know, less handling, you're going to have fewer opportunities for problems. Right. Right. Um, and less is more also applies to quality and it applies to worker safety as well. You don't want to do something or intervene, like intervene with your product unless it's actually going to create value. Which tells and me, so if you're thinking, that, and that sort of tells me that most of, most of your corrective action thinking, probably most of the learning really is is looking at the system from the beginning to the end i mean it's it's everything you said yeah. it's, it's the way the field is set up when it's planted so that it can mm -hmm. be harvested with less is more philosophy when it's har when it's harvested that's remarkable exactly and it hits your bottom line too right if you're doing unnecessary interventions it affects your bottom line so that's kind of where i try to bring clients to a place of understanding that emotionally um, you know, is, is understanding that less is more and food safety is not here to ruin your life. It's here to help you tighten everything and kind of get to where you can run a tight, tight ship and, and keep those margins down. Right. Um, so that's a different approach than most people are used to thinking of food safety as, but, and I'm sure you see that in, in manufacturing, like, uh, Tesla's having their struggles right now. Yeah. And, um, a lot of that has to do again with those venture capital time and production pressures. Right. Right. And so, you cut corners in an attempt to, to make your money and, but then you have an accident and how much money are you making when you're cleaning brains off the floor? You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to take a break for that. But you're really so right. Your, uh -huh. observation, your observation between sort of the philosophical underpinnings of the tech industry and then those meeting up with, you know, more classical manufacturing or classical farming, you, you really see yeah. this, the tech industry really prides itself in being scrappy and, you know, doing lots of yeah. lots of t beta testing after production started and and you know mm -hmm. and i suppose in the food industry if you're testing after you're harvesting it's too late yeah and testing actually has really limited utility because you can get an outbreak with as little as one pathogen per several thousand pounds of produce wow. all right so if you're relying on yeah if you're relying on testing to fix your problems you're you're in trouble um, so you get a lot of tech clients, again, they're fixated on data, so they want to do all this testing and I have to tell them that's not going to work. Um, we actually got HACCP, are you familiar with the, the HACCP program in food? No. Uh -uh. Okay. So it stands for hazard analysis and critical control points. And it was actually invented by NASA so that they would not send food up to space to make the astronauts puke, get moisture in the, uh, control circuits and crash the spacecraft. So um they actually had to borrow a lot of quality control from the folks who are making rocket parts because you can't do destructive testing on a rocket part and still use it right right um so they found that doesn't work for rocket parts it doesn't work for food and they adopted that into food so we actually owe quite a bit to uh to nasa and to worker safety in that sense um but kind of trying to explain that to tech folks because they've just never dealt with something where there's actually risks before in software uh, the worst thing that can happen is someone doesn't like your software, really. Um, <laughs> it's a, you know, you can have data leaks and stuff like that, but with food and with worker safety, you can put someone six feet under. If you're building a dam and it fails, you could destroy an entire county. So the risk different, like just the risk is very different. And there's a different psychology and a different approach that goes with that. And the tech industry doesn't know that there's a learning curve they need to go through there. Wow. And so you have a whole podcast that covers all this. How do uh, people listen yeah. to it? How do, how do they find you? 
Uh, you can Google Farm to Tabor. And we're currently on SoundCloud. We're trying to make iTunes work, and it might have to wait until after the episode run is over. But, uh, yeah, we're out there on SoundCloud. Just Google Farm to Tabor. Okay. That's easy enough. Yeah. Thanks for a great yeah. podcast. This was amazing. I bet we talk again. Yeah, we'll appreciate it. And then I thank you so much for yours because it's been very helpful. And, and they actually, you address the psychology end of the business, and that's not something you hit a whole lot in food safety. So it's been very helpful. That's Sarah Tabor. What do you think? I told you the whole notion of of reliable partner and 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 uh, immigrant pickers and immigrant knowledge workers and and uh, I just I I we went to places I didn't think we'd go, but it was really interesting to go there. So the podcast started with a, a nod to Oregon Food Safety YouTube channel with uh, Food Safety the Musical. I just clipped a little bit because I want to share it. So in case you see it, I don't want it to be a spoiler. But um, I bet you found this podcast very enlightening. I did. And and this is why we do the podcast, so we can we can listen to what the rest of the world is thinking about when they think about the things we think about. And that, my friends, is completely worthwhile. So there we go. That is the podcast for today. Thank you for being a part of it. Learn something new every single day. I feel like we can check that off today. I bet you did. Uh, Have as much fun as you possibly can. And for goodness sakes, be safe.